Good evening, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of the Brad and Avery Hour. I'm your host, as always, Brad Burko, alongside Avery Lewis McDougal. I can't believe we've already been doing this for four weeks, Avery. And man, do we already have a bombshell announcement to announce. I know, that is right, Brad. We are four episodes in. Have sponsors. Brad, tell the fine people who our new sponsor is. Yes, the Brad Avery Hour, not only sponsored by Grand Villa Casino, and have they given us this space, but we are also now proud to partner and be sponsored with the Core Dental Group of Edmondson. These guys are a comprehensive dental group with over 10 locations across the city of Edmonton and so much more across Canada. Uh, such an incredible partnership. So much to come with these guys down the road. Uh, a show on location, possibly down the road. Uh, we're going to have some giveaways, and a giveaway starts tonight, folks. We're going to launch a trivia question probably about halfway through the show. Make sure you listen. Answer the question. The first person to answer the question will win a prize pack. Can we tell them what it is, Avery? That is right. You're going to win a mouth guard, a sport mouth guard. And a bleaching kit. Got to keep those pearly whites clean. And make sure you can redeem that at the Windermere location in Edmonton. The Windermere location. That's a bleaching kit and a sports mouth guard. Thank you so much to our new sponsors, a Core Dental Group of Edmonton. We are so, so excited. And again, thank you so much. So, Avery, outside of our big announcement, uh, well, there's another big thing going on tonight. That being Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final in no other place than Las Vegas, Nevada, Sin City. A year ago, Avery, sitting here, I don't think we would have ever predicted hockey, let alone a Stanley Cup Final in Vegas. And they are four wins away from parading Lord Stanley down the strip. That is correct, and right now we're 3-3 in the first period. And to quote the legendary Brent Musburger, who NBC had on their set to intro Game 1, Brent Musburger said his legendary line, You're looking live on Las Vegas in the most improbable sports story of all time. And I couldn't put it better myself. Improbability of, like you mentioned a second ago, not just hockey in Vegas in NHL, but a cup final in year number one? It is incredible stuff right now as the Washington Capitals have been fighting to keep to stay in this game. But once again, the Vegas Golden Knights, we've seen they scored first, Washington struck back. Time and time again, when a team thinks they have Vegas on their heels, they find a way to equalize or take the lead back within five minutes or less. Well, I mentioned last week, Avery, uh, in the press conference when they eliminated um, to move on to the Stanley Cup Bowl, Ryan Reed said, this is a team with a chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. This is a team with something to prove. And this is the Golden Misfits, as he called it. So so fitting. And yet, what an incredible story. Uh, you got What does this do, not only for the NHL, but you got to think, now a Seattle team waiting in the winds here yeah. to potentially get it. They will be apparently getting a team in the next couple of seasons. Yeah. Do this kind of give them a sense of optimism and, hey, if the Vegas Golden Knights can do it, does this even give Seattle just a glimmer of hope that maybe they can be as good as this Vegas Golden Knights team? I do think it may be not as good, but possibly competitive because the drafting rules 
were changed dramatically from eons ago when you had Atlanta coming into the league, Minnesota, Columbus, San Jose, Ottawa, where they were literally just given the scrap people of other teams and struggled for years on end. Vegas was given an opportunity to draft much better, and I'll be forward towards Seattle too. And people are complaining, oh, why is Seattle going to get those same rules? They absolutely should because, to me, 32 healthy franchises is good for all. Not just them, but the league as a whole. You you can't tell me you don't want more eyeballs on the game in a city like Seattle, a, non, a non-traditional pro sports, a non-traditional hockey market. You don't want that. Like, look at Vegas. Vegas is, yes, it is the desert. But look at how many locals are coming out to watch hockey. Not a game, Brad. They're selling. They're they're staying here only to watch practice. practice. We're not talking about a game here, folks. We're oh. talking about like our friend Alan Iverson <laughs> said. We're talking about practice. He's your friend. How'd you know him? How'd you meet him? Oh, man, we met at the ball court one time. Uh-huh. Played a little three on three. I dunked on Alan Iverson. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I did it in my dream once. I I swear. <laughs> but uh, man, it's such an incredible story. Um, a- incredible. That a city like this can come together. Exactly. And let's not talk about the game for a minute. Let's step away from the game just for a second. Let's talk about the spectacle of a pregame. <laughs> we have Michael Buffer, the legendary Michael Buffer, introducing their starting lineup for the Vegas Golden Knights. And then you have a knight taking on some guy in a cape at center ice. Slaying the Washington Capitals to open up this pregame. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. This is the best ticket in town right now in the National Hockey League. I love it because it is so anti-traditional hockey, but it's so Vegas. Embrace the goofiness. I love that Vegas has not adapted to the boring, laid-back, don't-be-flashy ways of hockey Right now, I look at Vegas going out there and being an outlier and being goofy and being extravagant. That's Vegas. That's being yourself, and I really hope they don't ever break away from that as a franchise in terms of in-game presentation. Now, on the flip side of the coin, Avery, the Washington Capitals, another team that I don't think people thought they'd be in the Stanley Cup final, we're seeing a very matured, a very different Alexander Ovechkin, a very different Washington Capitals team, a more maybe confident Braden Holtby mm-hmm. going into this playoffs. What do the Caps have to do to keep up with the speedy and the, the style of play for the Vegas Golden Knights? Plain and simple against Vegas, you cannot sit back. We've been seeing that now from Washington. If you sit back, the Golden will find a way to burn you. Winnipeg did just that in Game 1. They took the game to Vegas. And you're seeing right now, you see Nick Backstrom step up. You've seen TJ Oshie step up. Those are going to be key. You can't, let, you can't let Ovi do it all. I mean, he could. I mean, sure, he would love to do it all by himself. In a cup final, you need that team effort. And right now in game one, they're getting that out of Backstrom, out of TJ Oshie, so on and so forth. You need those kind of guys to step up and show Vegas, hey, we're going to punch you right in. Excuse me. Oh, we're going to punch you right in the mouth here in game one. I'll tell you, Avery, this is going to be one heck of a series. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to see... A David David versus Goliath, a Rocky Balboa versus up our Creed. We're gonna see a George Foreman versus Muhammad Ali matchup. We're gonna this is gonna go down. I believe is one of the greatest Stanley Cup finals to, to ever be played. It could be, but you meant you call it Apollo Creed and Rocky. I don't know. It's more like Rocky versus Rocky. 
because neither team was ever at Washington. Washington has not been here in 20 years, and the OV Capitals. It's their first time here, just like it is Vegas. I think it's more of a David versus David than Rock than David versus Goliath in my mind. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. I, just, I just wanted to, you know, no, reference Rocky and Apollo Creed. You know, it's one of my one of my great. Ra- it could be Larry Bird versus Brad John. We could go on and on and on well, and we'll on. We'll see. We'll see what happens this series, but, Brad. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And either way, whoever wins this series, it's it's going to be incredible for not only for the NHL but for either city to get on the hockey map, so to speak. And we we look at this. If Vegas wins a cup, this is going to be the first time since 1918 that a team in their inaugural season wins the Stanley Cup. I mean, we may never see this again. No, we may not. Just everything went perfectly correct for the Golden Knights from... It's funny because we looked at the roster and I, I, you know me, I've been on this team since day one. I've been on the bad wagon since day one. And even I saw the expansion draft like, oof, that was a rough expansion draft. But then you saw who they acquired via trade and whatnot. And you saw the first week. Then the first two weeks. It's like some teams just find a way to, some teams just find a way to make it happen. And talent just clicks in certain ways. And of course, spite is a powerful weapon. Spite the desire to show a team that you give up, 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 up on me, I'm gonna crush your dreams. It's a powerful motivator. Yeah, no, I know you can't quantify that, but you've been the chip on your shoulder, wanting to go out and show the rest of the league you screwed up. It's a powerful thing. Well, you know what? I, I watched him and Sid before coming over here today, and they had Nick Kiprios on. And Kiprios said the same thing you just said, that nobody gave this team a chance at, after the expansion draft. Everybody thought they were going to be a bottom feeder, maybe even falling for Dolan. We see Rasmus Dolan uh, going number one this year. Uh, but you, you then you go through, as you mentioned, the first week, first two weeks, you get to December and said, "Oh, maybe they can't keep this up. You know, they'll they'll fall off." And then you get into the end of the year, and oh, they won't be able to keep this up for the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, they're they're beating teams that nobody had them beating. Winnipeg. I mean, so you go on and down the line. I even if you looked at the playoff picture, this was a team on paper out in the first round. But their willpower, this team together, this togetherness has done wonders, and it all begins, I believe, with a guy that wears number 29 in, the, in between the pipes, and that being three-time Stanley Cup champion, Marc-Andre Fleury, and, and he's just shined. No, good goaltending goes a long way, as we've seen time and time again. And it's just, it, it, just, the, the, just the amount of shutouts reminds me of when J.S. Shigeru and Anaheim came out and stunned the world against the Minnesota, Minnesota Wild when he had, what, three shots in the first four games of that series in the current finals, no three. But to answer your question, though, about going back to the question, can Seattle repeat this? It'll be tough. It's going to be super tough to get a good GM who will know how to put this together in the way George McPhee and company have done that. Because, hey, you never know. Maybe, they, you know what? Maybe they draft, maybe they draft him better than Vegas. But it all comes down to assembling the roster, making sure the chemistry is great. Because you may, on paper, put it together a good team, but if they can't gel together, Seattle may, could be a toilet. Seattle could be in the basement. And that's exactly the point: is Vegas constructed a team that clicked. Mm-hmm. They clicked. Willie Carlson, Marshall, and they got guys that played together before. Yes, Riley they Smith did. played with Jonathan Marshall, mm-hmm. right? Um, Derek England 
has been a pleasant surprise on the back end. This is a team, all these players needed was a chance. Yeah. Will Collison's a fourth-line guy in Columbus, third-line guy in Tops. He's a top-line guy in Vegas. He was given the reins to run with it. And like I said, I'll bring him up again. Marc-Andre Fleury, this is a guy that was pushed out of town, basically, thanks to Matt Murray and the Pittsburgh Penguins. This guy says, hey, look, you're on the golf course. I'm four wins away from winning my fourth Stanley Cup. And you look at also James Neal. He won the Stanley Cup last year as well. Yes, he did. He's familiar with Marc-Andre Fleury. So I think that familiarity with certain players has also been a really good gelling factor and brought the team together a little bit. No, of course, it absolutely is. It really, really, really is. And of course with Seattle, although I would like to see Seattle come out of the gate hot, it's going to be tough. But I'm really glad the fact we're going to be we're gonna have a balanced NHL, like we're going to have a balanced league. Because it's unbalanced stuff in the league. It's tough on scheduling to have a 31-team league. And... Just seeing, like I said, just seeing, and one thing I know that with the expansion drafts with Seattle, Vegas will be exempt from the expansion draft. I've heard that formally, it'll be announced, it's come out in the news that Seattle will be announced on June, either June 19th or June 20th, they'll become the 32nd franchise, but the Golden Knights will be exempt from the expansion draft, and to me that makes sense, because why would you have, why would you do this, and then go to a team who's only been around for three years? To me, that makes no sense. Let them stay intact for a while, because back in the 90s, you had the expansion drafts when Anaheim came in the league, and Florida, and they were drafting players from Tampa Bay and San Jose, which to me was mind-bogglingly stupid. I, I agree with you, and, and I, I like the exemption of the Vegas Golden Knights. Let this team stay together. Let this team kind of grow, and I don't think it's really fair to be plucking players for, to, to go to another expansion team. You, no. Because I, I think Seattle right now has an advantage. They're sitting back there watching. Maybe they're doing research on Donovan Marshall. So maybe they're doing research on Willie Carlson. Hey, that's the guy we want. And then plucked away from Vegas. And then and then that chemistry kind of starts to crumble and starts to break. And then Vegas falls apart. Exactly. So, but I, I like the same rules. Uh, the same expansion draft idea uh, for the Seattle team. And... Uh, it's just going to make them competitor or competitive, hopefully, faster. Then you look at, you know, five, seven years down the road, they're maybe competitive in two, three years, or, or in Vegas's case, right now. Exactly. You know, I, you know good for Seattle. Good for the, them. Once again, a major player in the world of sports beyond football. I am so ready for that. And as, we, as we're talking right now, who walks in? One of our special guests of the evening on the Brad and Avery Hour. Come to the table, sir. Come, come. It is the it is the longtime co-host of your show, Broadcast yes. Sports, Mr. Vic Michaels. The the much damper half of, of Broadcast Sports, the better looking half. Where's my gentlemen? Where's my theme song? Where's my full production? I uh, was expecting Brett to hit that hard theme song, but uh, oh, you got a Ric Flair woo instead. I'll take what I can get. I'll take what I can get. There you go. So Vic, as we were, as you walked into this room and this gorgeous room, uh, we were talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, and you know the the pleasant surprise they've been this year. Before we move into our our main topic of the evening, give us your thoughts of this Golden Knights team, this Golden Misfits team, and really. Do you think they can beat the Washington Capitals? Are you on the OB train more so the Vegas train? Well, I think it's it's 
It's unbelievable what they've done so far this season, their first season here in the NHL. And to make it not only to the playoffs, considering this is a team that nobody really gave them any chance at all, and here they are in the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, one of the, the top two teams in the entire NHL playing the Washington Capitals. Uh, like I said, it's absolutely remarkable. Uh, I don't think anybody predicted this. If, if anybody could go back in time and put down even a dollar on this team, I think they would. I believe the odds were, what, 500 to 1? I yeah. believe at one point, yeah. Coming into the season. So just, just crazy stuff. And a team with... You know, mostly unknown, unknown commodities. You know, you got guys like James Neal and uh, Mark Andre Fleury, but outside of that, really a team full of uh, unknowns. So I am uh, really proud of this team, and I'm excited about this team. And uh, I think they have just as good a shot as anybody right now. Obviously, between them and the Capitals, the Capitals are a great team. They have a chip on their shoulder. They have something to prove with uh, Alexander Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom. You know, Brayden Holpe, these are guys that have been around, that have, uh, you know, they've made it far in the playoffs, but just haven't, you know, won the big one yet. So I don't see why the Vegas Knights can't do it. You know, they, uh, they handled the Winnipeg Jets in fairly easy fashion, which I don't think a lot of people predicted that either. So, um, yeah, I don't know uh, if, if Vegas, if you'd say they're the favorites in the final, but I would say uh, there's a good chance they could win their first Stanley Cup in their first season in the NHL. Now, there's a really good chance. Our, our last point, before we get into our main topic, if they do win the Cup and they win it in Vegas, how hard and how long does the party go for as a cup-winning franchise in Vegas? Well, we got to look at that. That, that city doesn't <laughs> sleep on the best of days. And I know Vic Michaels doesn't sleep when he goes there. So of course not. So, yeah. Like, I don't sleep anyway, so. <laughs> no, that, that he does not. Of course, we wanted to have Vic on because Vic is a massive, massive, massive fan. Those of you who don't know Vic, this dude pays money every year to go to Wrestlemania and a couple of years ago we went to Survivor Series in Toronto and we saw Goldberg squash Brock Lesnar in your Canada Center. Son. There you go. Have, you ever, Canada have Center. you ever been in a, in a more electrifying building Avery when that happened? Do you, I remember that. Uh, I don't think anybody anybody <laughs> called that ending and it was uh, absolutely insane. And you know what we, we should have though considering it's Goldberg. We should have been predicting, even with Brock Lesnar, a two-minute squash match show, I can still whoop somebody's you-know-what. Yeah, at Goldberg, <laughs> you know, late 90s WCW, known for the streak, known for being one of the faces of WCW. Uh, didn't exactly have the run that he wanted in WWE back in 2003. Uh, him and Brock Lesnar left with a, with a match that left, left a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot was desired after that match. It mm -hmm. just didn't really live up to the hype. Both guys were leaving the company at the time. Uh, the crowd knew it. The crowd yep. turned against them at WrestleMania. And I think Goldberg had something to prove this time around. It's been uh, 15 years, I believe, since he's been in a WWE ring. And, uh, yeah, it was a remarkable moment, him beating Brock Lesnar in a matter of, uh, was it a minute and a half? About that. Something like that. And uh, just a cool moment to, to be in the building. I know we were probably as high up as you could go. <laughs> standing room only. But it was... Uh, it was a cool moment to witness, and it was cool to see Goldberg back, and I think they had a decent, uh, not a great, but they had a decent match uh, at that WrestleMania as well. You did? Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm an old-school wrestling fan. I'm, I've been, a, I grew up on the Goldbergs, and we've seen the return of Sting briefly, and mm -hmm. at Kurt Angle, and The Undertaker now being back, uh, just throwing it out there, who do you guys see as maybe the next old school wrestler to come back and make an appearance. 
Ooh, the next old school wrestler. Ooh, wow. I know I would love it. I would love it to be Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, but his movie career is taking up way too much mm-hmm. time. They try and see who they try and see who Vic's mentioning by like to see The Rock, but another guy who I think would be fun to see is Booker T. I know he it's seeing him on one last run as a wrestler and as a commentary guy. It'd be fun to see him on one Cor- final run, one final run Booker T. Corey Graves wouldn't like that one though. No, <laughs> Booker T's back in the ring. Corey Graves, Booker T, or three thirty-five. The co- the color analyst attack. <laughs> we're, we're starting to run out of guys to come back. I think you know a big one this year. Uh, the Raw after WrestleMania, obviously Bobby Lashley. Yeah, Bobby that was huge. Uh, they haven't really done a, a whole lot with him since coming back. I don't know if you guys watched the the abysmal segment last weekend, it was terrible. last week with that was garbage with him and Sami Zayn, just absolutely atrocious. Uh, but Bobby Lashley was big. As far as guys coming back, um, you know, we, like you mentioned, there's a lot of guys that have done it. Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. uh, even like you know Triple H still wrestling. Um, the, uh, like you mentioned, Goldberg. So there's a couple names out there I think that still might be possible. You know, it's one of those things. Do we want to see them back? You know, with the guys getting up there in age in their 40s, 50s. Um, a big name I'll bring up, a controversial one that seems to be on his way back to the WWE. Uh, and that is the immortal Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, every all the rumor sites are saying that he's going to be back. Uh, he had a little bit of controversy in the last couple of years, whether it's you know the the sex tape scandal, the you know the racist uh, rant that he went on, all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, Hulk Hogan is synonymous with the WWF, the WWE. Uh, without him, there is no world wrestling entertainment, in my opinion. So that for that very reason, I believe Hulk Hogan deserves a second chance, and I feel like he he doesn't need to, but he should be involved in the WWE moving forward. To me, with Hulk, you know, Mark Henry made a great point uh, a few months ago with Hulk, saying how if you want to come back and show that you're truly sorry in terms of your racial comments, go and work with Black Community Center, work with the Black Foundation, work with Black Charities, and truly show us that you're sorry. You can't just say if you're Hulk. I'm sorry, I want to come back in. you got to show with your actions, what Mark Rahman was trying to get with that. I, I agree with Mark. I agree with that. You want to show your sorry? Then prove it. Really. Totally. It's it's a big hole to climb out of, but it's been some time. I don't know how long it's been. Maybe eight years. Maybe a little bit less than that. Oh, I think about, I think about, about four years. About four years. The, the, the whole, uh, the whole uh, you know, uh, lawsuit thing mm-hmm. went on with, uh, with uh, what was the website? Uh, Gawker. Gawker, or, yeah. Or one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And that took a while. And Hulk Hogan made out uh, like a bandit, I believe, you know, a couple hundred million dollars mm-hmm. or something so, like that. So, yeah, no, I think Hulk Hogan, time time heals everything. Just like, uh, you know, Bruno Sammartino took him forever to get back into the WWE in the Hall of Fame. That happened. Macho Man made amends. Ultimate Warrior made amends. They're, you know, these guys, over time, time will heal everything. And uh, when you think of some of these guys that have come back, Sting coming to the WWE, nobody thought that would ever happen. No. Uh, it's been, you know, that's 15 years overdue, and, and it's still, it's, it still happens. So I think Hogan should be back. I think it's only a matter of time uh, in obviously a lower capacity role, maybe not even necessarily on TV, but uh, with appearances, charity work, uh, all that kind of stuff, he definitely deserves to be back for sure. So let's switch gears and talk about... Today's product and what's on TV now, we talked about the old school and people coming back. What do you think about today's product? I mean, we, we've seen now SmackDown going 
to, to Fox in 2019 um, yeah. for that, that major deal. What does this mean now for Monday Night Raw? Did they move to a major network to try and compete? Or is this the, the pendulum swinging where potentially SmackDown could become the way bigger brand over Monday Night Raw? Because in my eyes, Monday Night Raw ran the WWE for, for years. Mm-hmm. I never watched SmackDown for years. It was always Monday Night Raw. So now does that change? And Oh, instead of watching maybe a weaker content Monday Night Raw, let's watch maybe a, a more stacked SmackDown because it's on a major, major TV network. Well, Raw's been on USA Network, uh, I believe, since the beginning, 25 years. I don't, I don't see that changing. I feel like it will stay on USA, uh, barring any kind of you know massive deal from somebody else. Uh, but the Fox deal is huge mm-hmm. for a couple reasons. Obviously, it's a mainstream uh, audience with Fox. And uh, I believe they're going to be getting a primetime slot, or if not very close to one. Uh, I've heard Friday nights is a possible rumored uh, time slot for them. Obviously, SmackDown, I believe, launched on Friday nights yes, way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, not a huge fan of Friday nights, just because I feel like a lot of people have other things to do on Friday night, and, and watching wrestling kind of falls at the wayside. But um, it's, it's a massive deal for WWE, their stockholders, everyone. Um, whether it's a good thing or not, time will tell. Uh, we've seen a, an insurgence with uh, the program like NXT, and a lot has to do with uh, Triple H. So I think there is uh, almost a changing of the guard from Vince McMahon to Triple H over the last couple of years. So I think as long as Triple H is involved, and it seems like he is more involved mm-hmm. on SmackDown than Raw, Raw is Vince McMahon's baby. It always has been, always will be. And you can really tell by watching both products that that is the case. Uh, you know, the big, the big thing right now, Roman Reigns, the top guy on Raw, uh, none of the fans are, are getting behind him. They haven't got behind him. A lot of people feel like he's been pushed down their throats. Um, he's, quote-unquote, a good guy, even though the fans boo him. So I feel like that is an issue that uh, WWE really needs to address. Uh, you know, it, right now they have him in a feud with Jinder Mahal, which I, I feel is very counterproductive as well. Um, Jinder Mahal is starting to get cheered, which is not the point of the feud. So I think, um, yeah, moving forward, the Fox deal is great. Um, but I don't know about you guys. Uh, do you do you prefer a specific brand one over the other? Uh, to me, in my mind, Raw has always been like like Brad. Raw to me has always been the bigger brand growing up. You know, I, I did watch both. I did watch always. I did watch SmackDown and UPN, you know, which aired in the score for us. I did watch Raw on USA and the new TNN, little throwback channel name for for three there was on the new TNN and Spike TV. But one thing for me with Raw is that what irritates me is that Stephanie McMahon as a character, this version of her as a heel is just grating on me, because. She's always demeaning the heels or the faces. And making this, when she's on camera, all about the commissioner. When she, should be, she shouldn't be this figure of, I'm always here to either demean a wrestler or to demean Kurt Angle. I think that the commissioner should be a position where you don't see them that often. It should be the GMs you see on camera way more often than the commissioners. And even with SmackDown, I love Shane O'Mac. But you shouldn't be seeing, seeing Shane that much as the commissioner. Like, look at what happened when you had the, the GMs with Raw, Bishop as, as GM, and Stephanie as GM of SmackDown, and Paul Heyman. You only saw Vince once in a while when, it was a, when big stuff was going down. Now you see the commissioner every week. You shouldn't be seeing that. That should be Angle and Page. 
you should be seeing them, you should be seeing Stephanie and Shane maybe once a month or twice a month. Not every single show. It's Again, we're here with uh, Vic Michaels, the second half of Breakout Sports. And um, I, I, I want to stick with Raw for a minute and talk about a, a newest addition, and that being former UFC champion, uh, women's champion Ronda Rousey. Mm -hmm. There was some mixed emotions, some mixed feelings on her coming to WWE. Now her acting skills wasn't very good. How's she going to do in the ring? All this stuff. And... I, I don't know about you guys, but when I see, I I absolutely thought her mic skills and leading up to WrestleMania were absolutely garbage. They were terrible. I was like, oh my god, this is a disaster. But then when I seen her in the ring, and obviously the on bar or on Stephanie McMahon, I thought she actually held her own and did an incredible job. What, do you guys feel the same way or no? Yeah, I thought the same way when they first announced Ronda Rousey coming in. Uh, I was a little hesitant at first, obviously picking up the, the Rowdy Roddy Piper gimmick as her uh, her mentor over the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that hesitation turned to surprise for me. I think her match at WrestleMania was one, one of the better matches on that card. Uh, very entertaining with uh, Triple H, Kurt Angle, and um, uh, who was the other and one? Stephanie, and Stephanie McMahon. And that was a very entertaining match. And I think if they do it properly, they build her correctly, I think she could be the face of the women's division. If not, maybe even the face of Monday Night Raw moving forward. Of course, her mic skills need work, but she's only been doing this for less than a year, so you got to give mm -hmm. her a break there. Uh, her in-ring ability, obviously translating from MMA, uh, there's a little bit uh, a little bit she can take from that, and I feel like she's, she's held her own so far in the WrestleMania match. There was a couple botches, but uh, you know, like I said, she's, she's brand new at this, so you got to give her a little bit of a break. Um, I'm a, I was a little kind of shocked, I guess, at the, the title match with Nia Jax coming up so soon. Uh, I figure that's yeah. maybe a waste at Money in the Bank. I'm not sure kind of where they're going with that. Um, but w what do you think they're going to do, Avery? I don't know. Like, I think that I do agree is a bit of a rushing things. I think you could have waited until SummerSlam to have her in a title match. But at the same time, I can tell that they, I can, they, I can tell they want her to be in the main event picture. They want her to be the top, like the top woman, the top person in the company. But I feel it would be better to have her run through the division and then have this as, you know, it's like one person I have not run through yet, and it's you, Nia Jax. Like, have that, have this, this no, no one can stop her, no one can stop her. And then, boom, you have Nia Jax, these two forces who no one can touch coming together instead of, okay, second match ever. Title match. It's yeah. Long. Well, sorry. Um. So, like, uh, my biggest thing is, like, what's what's the win from this match? If Ronda Rousey there wins, now Nia Jax, I believe, looks weak. Yes, exactly. If Nia Jax wins, then what's the you point of Rousey? You stall the whole Rousey thing. So I'm gonna assume there's gonna be um, some kind of uh, false fin, some kind of. Um, you know, BS finish to this match, whether it's an interference from somebody, maybe uh, a heel turn from Natalia, who's supposed to be Ronda Rousey's friend. Um, that might be a possibility. Um, but yeah, I think I definitely see this match, you know, not ending in a three count for sure. Why? You mentioned WrestleMania. Like, why would you even build her up of the year and let this title match happen at WrestleMania next year? Let that be, you know, maybe not the main event, but maybe let it be a, a co-main event. Or let it be a, you know, build that up for the entire year. I don't understand why this early. It's almost as bad as it drives me crazy. It's almost as bad as Oscar being beat at WrestleMania and then losing the title. But yet, Charlotte then goes on SmackDown the, the following week and loses her title. 
and now it's obsolete. So I, I don't get it. I, I'm confused, but I guess I'm not the creative team of it WWE. Was, it was strange booking for sure. It was a great match, Oscar Charlotte at WrestleMania, maybe match of the night. Um, and then just to have Charlotte lose the belt right after was kind of strange. Obviously, the, the thought was that Carmella would eventually cash in, and she mm -hmm. did, and good for Carmella because Carmella is great. Uh, but, yeah, weird booking there. But obviously, the, you know, I think the writing is on the wall. If not the main event, if like you said, possibly co-main event, or if not a match very high in the card, I think Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey is almost set in stone for WrestleMania next year, barring any injuries or barring any crazy creative decisions. Uh, but I would say it'd be safe to book Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey for next year at WrestleMania, possibly in the main event slot with the whole women's revolution going on, you know, women in sports, mm -hmm. all that stuff. It's perfect timing. And what better WrestleMania to do it at 35, uh, set a monumental moment with the first women's main event. Be, be, be between probably the greatest women, women's wrestler of all time, Charlotte Flair, and a great marketing tool in Ronda Rousey. Yeah, well, my thing is, is, can they wait that long to do it? Because this isn't like 10, 12 years ago where you would have that storyline play out over a year. Can they wait to do it, or will they go out and, you know, and spoil it by having a match before that, beat on another pay per view? or on our SmackDown, because I really hope they do wait to save that, because if you do do it right and wait for a full year until next year, that could set some serious records if you do wait. 100%. 100%. While we're on Raw right now, guys, I just want to kind of go over the roster here and see what you guys think of, of some of the top talent on Raw right now, and starting with possibly the face of Monday Night Raw and possibly the future of WWE. A lot of people have tagged him as the guy, the next guy, uh, that being Braun Strowman. Uh, I think he's, he's due for a championship run. I think they kind of spoiled that a little bit with his feud with Brock Lesnar over the Royal Rumble. Uh, they had a match last year, I believe, at No Mercy, where, where Brock went over Braun, a clean finish. I wasn't a fan of that either, um, but I think Braun is on his way to being the next guy. And if Brock doesn't lose the title to Braun, um, I would be very surprised. Well, you look like, I think it's time for training of the yard. I think it's, and, and I, I, I think it's Braun Strowman's time. You look at, I, I'm getting sick of the, you know, AJ Styles always with the title on SmackDown. Or, you know, Brock Lesnar's had it at, at, on Raw and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar or... Jinder Mahal and AJ Styles, Jinder Mahal and AJ Styles and SmackDown. So it, it'd be nice for a new face to come in and be, be the champion. For me, we talked about this last week, Vic. And for me, I believe and I strongly still believe that Finn Balor should get that chance again. I believe he was kind of premature. Uh, you know, accidents happen, stuff happened, he got injured. But I believe that maybe they could build off that, and I believe he could be a great champion. So either him or Braun Strowman. Let's sure. not forget that that's the first universal champion of all time. Yeah. Won the belt, relinquished it the next day because of injury. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's, he just has never really got back on his feet since coming back. They haven't done anything with him. Uh, they had a, kind of a rivalry between him and The Miz and, and Seth Rollins, which were great matches. Led to a very good match at WrestleMania. Led to another great match at uh, the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. But, yeah, other than that, Finn, he's just kind of been, uh, you know, sitting around at the wayside, waiting his turn. 
Uh, this guy is a top guy. There's rumors that Vince doesn't see him as so, obviously due to size and, and other reasons, but I think Finn is due. I think uh, with his matches recently, Seth Rollins is a guy that's proving absolutely. that he might be the guy. Yeah, he's carrying the IC title. He's he's calling himself the working champion, which is the complete opposite of Brock Lesnar, who we see once every three months. <laughs> if that's if that. that. So I think Seth has proved that he's the guy. He can handle the load. He's done it before. He had an amazing run with the title back before he got injured. Um, so what do you guys think on Seth Rollins possibly being the guy? I, I love that possibility. And obviously for me, I think he would have to, you know, obviously lose the IC title to go over and win the, I believe, the Rod, you know, championship. And um, I, I totally agree with you. I think him or... The guys you mentioned, Finn, Finn deserves a chance, Braun Strowman as well. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. But the other, the other thing I got, and the other thing I'm really starting to get, we talk about this on a weekly basis, and Avery as well, is, I don't know about you guys, but Raw is starting to get, I don't want to say boring. Cause it's too I'm, long. Because I'm, long. I'm not is. at that point yet. I'm not at the point where it's boring. But it's almost repetitive. It's, it's at the point where nothing exciting is happening. No storyline is grabbing me and wanting me to tune in for next week. For me, I find NXT or like, you know, the local wrestling show, PWA or whatever else is going on, more exciting right now than Monday Night Raw or even SmackDown. Yeah, if you could fast forward it, I would. (laughs) You know, you get the opening segment, which is usually an announcement of some kind or uh, after a pay-per-view, you know, you get the, the, the backlash from that. And at the end, you get the main event, and really sprinkled throughout is is not a whole lot. You get a couple mediocre Kurt Angle segments, which are, you know, more bad than good half the time. (laughs) You know, you you get one or two women's matches, and then you'll get uh, maybe a tag team match or whatnot. And I think it's just too long being at three hours. Exactly. It is too long. And what I really hate about those segments is that you have Kurt Angle talking in front of a screen, and you can tell it's put together a cup. Like, I miss the days when the commissioner or the GM had an actual office they were in. It looked more natural, it didn't look as stiff, and the acting is uh, so atrocious. I don't know what happened to Kurt Angle's act. Like, he used to be really good on the mic, and I just feel like he just comes off as so, you know, like, almost phony or or kind of silly every time he's on the mic. To me, it feels like they're having even him do scripted content, which to me is outrageous because this company needs to get away from the scripted promos. Let people think on their feet. Give them an idea of, like, give them an idea of how you want the promo to go. That should be how it is. And let them take over. Stop this Hollywood. Say this. I'm a robot. I will say this script word for word. I will not deviate from this script that was handed by Vince. Stop that. It's not funny. No one wants to watch that kind of crap. Do you think we need to change maybe in a creative team and maybe some fresh blood? Are they, is it getting, like I said, is, is the well drying? So it, it, the, you know, the creative decisions, absolutely. I would say uh, maybe they could rethink it a little bit more. But like, like everybody says, it's, it's Vince's toy box. He's going to play with it the way he wants. He seems to like the direction that it's in. Uh, Roman is his guy. Nobody's going to sway him from that. So until I think uh, the torch does pass to Triple H, there's really nothing we can do about it. Uh, Vince is going to give us kind of the same shtick. 
you know, they have to do the PG thing. That's just the way it is. I know a lot of people want the Attitude Era to come back. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I think we can all just enjoy the Attitude Era for what it was. Right. And I think if you did bring it back, it would it would just be kind of a mutilation of it. Uh, same thing that when ECW came back, it was just kind of a watered-down version of that. So I think we can let the Attitude Era live in the past. Uh, but although I do think they can take some things from that and maybe of change the direction take. moving forward. But don't you believe with the... The attitude there, I, I agree with you, they're bringing it back and it won't be the same. But don't you think they can maybe take bits and pieces of that and, and kind of curb this new, not so much an attitude era, but a new era of wrestling and, and, and get away with, you know, some, maybe some of the stuff they said on the mic or, you know, certain matches or, or whatever, right? Yeah, I think they're kind of labeling this, they're actually calling it the new era, I believe. And that has a lot to do with, like, the indie scene. And the indie wrestlers that have now come to uh, WWE, you look at the roster right now, all the most of the top guys, and the majority of these guys are Ring of Honor talents. A lot yes. of these guys were in TNA. You look down the list, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Seth Rollins, formerly Tyler Black, uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, Finn Balor, formerly uh, Prince Devitt. You, the list goes on and on. All these guys were huge on the indie scene. Now they're in WWE once again. Huge part of that is Triple H. Ten years ago, this would never happen. CM Punk was kind of the only guy who ever did that. Yeah. Um, outside of that, WWE would never look at anybody from TNA, anybody from Ring of Honor. And I think that is that is the new era, is seeing these guys transition to the and, WWE. And you mentioned CM Punk. Remember when he did Pipe Bomb? Like, Remember how shocking it was to hear CM Punk on WWE TV say, Ring of Honor? We're like, oh my gosh, Ring of like Honor. A swear word. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. like you didn't yeah. even. And even when um, Cody Rhodes, who's now in um, New Japan, remember Cody Rhodes had a feud with the McMahons, and this goes to show how it was different back even just five six years ago, on commentary when Cody Rhodes was in quotation marks fired. Michael Cole said, "Wrestling, wrestling career is over." As if no one else wrestles besides here in WWE. If no one else wrestles in the world but here. Yeah, it's yeah. like, wow, the arrogance. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I want to touch on Cody Rhodes later, but just sticking with Raw, I just want to kind of get your guys' quick opinion uh, before we kind of move on. Uh, just the, the broken Matt Hardy. Uh, something I loved in TNA, in Impact Wrestling. It was, it was groundbreaking. It was new. It was different. And I just feel like now it's 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 not the same. It's kind of dying down a little bit. Uh, where do you guys see that going, and would you like to see it continue? Yeah, I I was excited when it came. I you know like uh, a lot like you, I I loved it TNA. I I thought it was a, a great persona. But I think now it's not the same in the WWE. It's it's truly not. It's I I think it's it's the time is done. I think it's time to move on from that. Maybe bring back the old school Mahdi. Maybe bring the the Hardy Boys back. Maybe for a longer run. They they weren't at it long before they went to the broken Mahdi. Maybe do that again, or maybe just you know the plain old Matt Hardy and have them compete in the singles. I just I I want you I want them to get away from this broken thing. And before I do that, quickly we're gonna do the trivia question too tonight for the giveaway again. Core Dental Group is giving away a teeth bleaching and a sports mouth guard tonight for the first person who can answer who is the first team beaten by the Vegas Golden Knights in their inaugural season. Who did the Vegas Golden Knights get their first win of in the regular season, their first ever win in the National Hockey League? First one to comment on this link will get a free bleaching and mouth guard 
and you can redeem it at the Windermere location in Edmonton. Thank you to Core Dental Group for that. Uh, and now as we go back to the WWE and, and talk of, you know, more in depth about it, and I know I, I wonder, like, what's, you mentioned uh, Triple H and his baby and NXT being, you know, that and kind of his playground. How is that growing and, and where do you see that kind of going? What direction can, can they go in to try and help grow that? Because for me, I felt now it's kind of not falling apart, but it's kind of at the on the back burner of the WWE because it's only on the network. So if you don't subscribe to the network for twelve ninety nine, by the way, WWE Network, uh, then you you don't get to see it. Do they need to bring NXT to mainstream TV, or do you think it's okay? Absolutely on the not. No, that's what makes it what it is. It's a kind of a niche audience. It's only growing. NXT is, is on fire right now with the talent that they have, the talent that they produced. Look at the guys who've come up from NXT. They're all, you know, Seth Rollins, first one of the first NXT yeah. champions. Biggie Langston, another NXT champion. Bo Dallas, Neville, uh, the list goes on. Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, uh, recently uh, Drew McIntyre. Lots of these guys went through NXT. NXT is, 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 is a super hot product. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you're going to watch NXT just because the talent that's there right now, uh, Ricochet, currently in NXT, one of the huge indie signing by the WWE. Uh, that ladder match at uh, NXT TakeOver New Orleans. That was crazy. One of the best matches I've ever seen, mm. ever, ever. And, uh, you know, look at other EC3 is in there. Um, Former TNA. Former T uh, Impact Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Adam Cole, former Ring of Honor champion, who's now the North American champion. And uh, the Undisputed Era, who are just killing it down there. Roderick Strong. Uh, you know, NXT is, is an amazing product. Uh, Aleister Black, current champion. Uh, and I think it's only going to go up from here. What and do you think? And also Triple H, also the, also the UK division. You also have the UK getting their own program. They also the United Kingdom title. I like the fact that the UK had its own title, had its own show. Almost harkens back to the old territorial days where a region had its own belt and its own programming. It'd be pretty cool to see that expand even more beyond the UK. Maybe you have Triple H. Maybe one day. It could already be in the works with Triple H. If globally, maybe you have one day there was a program just meant for Africa. Maybe there was a program just meant just for Canada. To try and maybe do to expose the talent that's overlooked. Yeah, I think with the, the new UK, or the, the second UK tournament coming mm -hmm. up here, I think my guess would be that the, the long-term plan is to open up some kind of WWE UK. I don't know whether that's a show or whether it's... Uh, you know, there's rumors of a performance facility going there. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, basically like the WWE Performance Center in, in uh, Florida, they would open up one in the UK for the UK guys to train at. Uh, I think that's probably going to happen. I think Triple H has a long-term plan globally to expand. We saw that with Saudi Arabia with the Greatest Royal Rumble. Um, this is a guy that, you know, really appreciates different styles of wrestling, whether it's Japan, whether it's uh, British Strong Style. Uh, Triple H knows what he's doing, and like I mentioned earlier in the show, he's really opened up a lot of doors for these indie guys to make it to the WWE. Whether it's Raw or SmackDown doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be NXT or things like the UK tournament yeah. as well. Now my issue is getting one. Oh, hang on one second. I'm gonna sneeze here. No, no, I'm not. Okay, I was gonna say. You mentioned Grisfroll, Grisfroll Rumble in Saudi Arabia. Now my issue is that with a company going in being you know equality, women's revolution, you hold a card in which women cannot be a part of really in any way shape and form 
what kind of message are you sending to your audience by doing that? Where you can expand to the Middle East, you can do that. Yes, go and be global. But Saudi Arabia, one of the more oppressive countries towards women, to me, that had me shaking my head in a really big way in my mind. A little contradictory for sure. But at the end of the day, that's the way it is over there. There's nothing the WWE can do about no, it. They, um, you know, like, they, they could not go there, I guess, as, as a way they, of they saying... They could have done that, yeah. But at the same time, when Saudi Arabia is throwing millions of dollars in your face, it, it would be stupid not to. Uh, this is an audience that there are wrestling fans over there. Uh, just because their culture is different doesn't mean that uh, they shouldn't get entertainment that we do over here. Uh, obviously, over time, hopefully things do change over there. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But just by WWE coming here in the first place shows that things are changing. And I think it was the right move. Uh, in 2018, you go there with all the men. Maybe in 2020, you open the door for the women. So it's a long-term project. Uh, when you start to get religion and culture involved, it, it's not going to change overnight. But WWE is definitely uh, working; it's doing its best uh, to obviously make that happen long term. I think. I'm gonna switch gears on you, Vic, real quick. I I know you're a huge indie scene fan. Uh, you you follow it closely. I'm starting to get into it. I I absolutely love it, and and I, I'm really starting to follow that. I I try to a little bit closer than than the WWE. I just find it more entertaining. But well, you look at guys like Kenny Omega and the aforementioned Cody Rhodes who used to be in the WWE. Do you see, is there any possibility that Kenny Omega makes a jump to the WWE at one point? Or is that, is that a little far-fetched and, and he stays kind of on the indie scene and does his thing? No, he'll be in the WWE one day. Um, whether that's soon or not, I, I don't think so. Uh, he has a really good thing going for him right now. He's probably... He's probably the best wrestler in the world. Some would debate that. Uh, there are a couple names on that list. He's definitely the best wrestler probably outside of the WWE. I think Kenny Omega will eventually go there, but th there's no rush for him to do so. He makes great money what he's doing now. He gets to pick his own schedule. He doesn't have to work 300 days a, a year like at the WWE. So I think Kenny Omega is in a great spot. Same as Cody and the Young Bucks. Uh, you know, the Young Bucks are, are making a killing with their Hot Topic deal, their t-shirts, all the Bullet Club stuff. There's absolutely no reason for these guys to go to WWE because they're probably making more money and working less hours where they're at right now. And the, with, the, with the whole indie boom at the moment with indie wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's unreal. It's, it's, a, it's There's never been a time like this in wrestling for indie wrestling. And it's a very exciting time for the product because there not only is WWE, there are other avenues to watch. And I think the biggest uh, statement that kind of confirms what I've been saying is the fact that Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks uh, have their all-in event coming up September 1st, which is uh, the largest indie event probably of all time, if not in the last decade for sure. And uh, that's a huge, huge moment for them. And I'm super excited to see what happens at all-in. And that's incredible. We... I, I can't wait for that event. And I, I want to talk about the exposure with indie wrestling. We see, you know, the WWE's all over TV and NXT's on the WWE Network and all, all this other stuff. Why doesn't, you know, a place like the Fight Network, we see the Fight Network pick up, you know, Impact Wrestling and all this stuff. Why isn't it that Ring of Honor is, is on, you know, mainstream or the all-in event, you know, I, I hope it's going to be, you know, on a pay-per-view somewhere. But why is it there more access 
to indie wrestling than just online. I believe Access TV has a deal, if not with Ring of Honor, New Japan, if not both. So it is out there. Like I mentioned, like NXT, it's more of a niche market. And I think it's almost better that way. It's not mainstream. It's a lot of people make the analogy. It's like it's like that band that you like that nobody else knows about, and once they go mainstream, they're not really that cool anymore. So I think that's the issue: mm-hmm. is once they do make that jump, it might not be what it used to be. So I think Ring of Honor prides itself on being an indie promotion. They like where they're at. They are growing, but at the same time, they're not trying to be the WWE. New Japan is not trying to be the WWE. They're doing their own thing, and I think they're doing it correctly. Uh, New Japan made a huge step forward with New Japan World, their subscription service that they came out with. Um, that uh, the whole Jericho versus Omega really exploded that. So I think over time, you know, maybe TV deals will come. Uh, we've seen with Impact Wrestling, it doesn't always work. So uh, yeah, I think I think they're, they're kind of happy where they are now. And I'm sure over time, uh, we'll definitely see more from these guys for sure. And you know what, though, for we know, we, we don't know. Maybe, you know, someone like a Paramount Network, formerly known Spike TV, maybe approach someone. Maybe a CBS approach to Japan. We don't know that. And they, they may have said, you know, well, thanks, but no thanks. For example, New Japan did go to a Paramount Network or a CBS or an ABC. We don't know what they might change company in, into their image. We don't, they may change entirely. Into exactly. Their as soon as you get on cable TV, your, your standards change. You yeah. might not be able to do the same things that you did. I know that was a big issue for EC. When they went to, uh, were they on TNN or they, they were, were on um, Sci-Fi first? When sci-fi, they returned, Sci-Fi, the original ECW though, uh, they was were on, on TNN. Original ECW was on TNN. TNN, and I know yeah. they ran into a few snags, you know, not being able to do some of the crazy stuff that they were doing before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's an issue as well. Right now, your Ring of Honor, your New Japan, you can do whatever the hell you want. There's no, there's no one telling you what you can't do. As soon as you get on TV, that changes. So I think over time it might happen. But I think right now it's perfect where it is. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And you know what? Like I said, you know, maybe one day, maybe there'll be someone who is the top of a of a CBS or ABC who grew up with indie wrestling, and will say, you know what? I like this. I think it's a matter of you need the people in charge to grow up with this, because right now the people in charge are the ones who know wrestling as Vince's world and Ted Turner's world. They're not really in. They don't really know what about New Japan or the indie scenes really are. Yeah, when you haven't had any other product for what. Almost 20 years. WWE, yeah. they've been the monopoly for since 2001. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that when you think wrestling, that's kind of the only thing at least the North American market yeah. uh, knows. And I think it's great that these other promotions are, are starting to get successful. It's only good for the business. Uh, WWE knows that. The more that wrestling in general is thriving, the more the WWE is thriving. It's good for everyone. Uh, the talent... Uh, look at the talent that's in WWE. Like I mentioned, these are all former indie guys. So yeah, if the indie mar- scene is doing good, the WWE is going doing good, and I think it's only going to go up from here. And especially when you got guys like Chris Jericho who are willing to go to New Japan, mm. have the matches that he's having. Uh, the, the one with Kenny Omega, amazing match. Uh, if you haven't watched it and you are a wrestling fan, make sure you go watch Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho in Wrestle Kingdom uh, this year. And then, obviously, Jericho has a big match versus uh, Naitu coming up as well at Dominion in New Japan. That's another big one. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see for the wrestling business. And uh, if I uh, were to, you know, my personal opinion, I would say I would I enjoy the indie product more than the WWE right now. Uh, but at the same time, you still can't discount WWE when you got guys like AJ Styles and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and stuff like that going at it every week. 
you you brought up the name Chris Jericho and uh, a good good Canadian boy and and doing all, all the all the indie stuff. Do you do you see him back in the WWE sooner rather than later? Well, he he'll be with the WWE for life. He's not. He hasn't left the WWE. It's not like he's specifically doing indie I stuff. I mean, back on TV, so to speak. Yeah, eventually. Uh, he's a busy guy. He's got his Fonzie stuff yeah. and all that going on. Um, these New Japan things are, are just one-offs, or at least it seems that way. Mm-hmm. So he did the one match with Kenny, I believe, in, in December or January. And then now he's doing the one with Natu coming up, I believe, within the month. So that's one match every every six months or so. So it's not like he's an indie wrestler. He's still a WWE guy. He always will be. And I think when he does eventually go back to WWE full-time, he'll pick up right where he left off. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm glad that the company's afforded Jericho to go over and do that. Maybe certain guys would not be able to do that years ago, but he's been with the company now for 19 years, if you can believe it or not, which sounds stunning. He's been afforded that ability to go over and do that. You know what? I applaud the company for letting him go over and do that because he's one of the biggest flag bearers for WWE, and the fact that he's going over and doing that is just great for wrestling as a whole. Yeah, it's great for, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's good for the WWE because he's only making, you know, himself a bigger star. So when he does come back to WWE, he brings that audience with him, right? So, yeah, I think it's great, and I think it's, uh, it's only going up from here. Uh, I did just want to touch on one quick thing uh, before we do move on, and that's just a couple wrestlers here. I just want to get your guys' opinion on where they're at now and where you want to see them go. Uh, I want to start off with, with Jason Jordan, uh, who is a, a Raw superstar. Uh, he, you know, Bill is Kurt Angle's estranged son. I think it's at first that was weird. a little outrageous. A little, <laughs> very outrageous. Very silly gimmick, but I think over time it really worked for him. He, he was carrying a ton of heel heat before he got injured. An awful uh, time to get injured for Jason Jordan because I feel like he was probably one of the most hated guys on Raw. He could barely say a word without getting booed. And uh, <laughs> I think he's, that's just him doing his job. It's If we don't like him, him as a heel, he's doing it right. So I want to think, what do you guys think about Jason Jordan? And do you think uh, there's anything for him when he does eventually return? I don't know. You've seen the whole gimmick with... You know, um, when he be, even before he was Kurt Angle's son, it was him and Chad Gable, right, mm. and and the, in the tag team division, and and now he had that feud with Elias, and 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 that type of thing. I I think for me, Jason Jordan might be best suited in the tag team division. He might be. I, I I don't see him really as a that pushes a a single superstar, and that pushes maybe the face of Raw, the face of SmackDown. I just don't see it. I. I do you feel the same way, everybody? I'm not sure. Maybe He's a tag team wrestler, but you know what I think that really should happen? I should have happened a long time ago is you had you had Gable and Shelton Benjamin. Reunite Gable and Benjamin, but also bring in Jason Jordan for revival of the world's greatest tag team, a.k.a. Team Angle. Yeah, that's what I thought they were originally going to do, and it, it, it turns out that that wasn't, uh, that wasn't the case. I thought that would have been a great way to bring Shelton Benjamin back. Um, obviously, they put him in a tag team with Gable as well, which was okay. It, it kind of it didn't really do much for me, but uh, it definitely did serve a purpose for uh, Gable and Benjamin. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, though, is obviously Jordan, uh, tag team champion with Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. That's got to mean something, you know. The WWE's got to be high on this guy to give him that opportunity. They had the whole debacle with the Shield. Supposed to be the reunion. I think that really derailed a lot of plans for the WWE with with the injuries. Uh, Dean Ambrose going down, 
And, uh, yeah, I think that the whole Shield thing kind of got uh, disrupted because of that. And then Jason Jordan went in to kind of replace that with Seth Rollins. So I feel like there is there's a place for Jason Jordan moving forward. Um, I guess it depends what they want to do with him when he comes back. But I think for sure... Uh, we will see more Jason Jordan moving forward. No, there is a place, although I, I, you know, it could be interesting to see him maybe possibly turn on his, again, air quotes, dad Father. for being overlooked. Yeah. And that, that can maybe turn into one day a, a Jason match. Jordan Kurt Angle match yeah. down the road. I think so too. I think that'd be mm-hmm. great. Another guy I want to touch on quickly, uh, what do you guys think? He's been making a huge impact since coming back. He looks like a million bucks, uh, amazing on the mic. And that's Drew McIntyre. This is a guy that was that was labeled the chosen one when he first debuted in the WWE. A lot of high hopes, didn't work out, ended up in, in three-man band, and then, of course, left, made a name for himself on the indie scene, Impact Wrestling, came back, won the NXT Championship, got injured, and then re-debuted uh, almost as a sidekick to Dolph Ziggler on Raw. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for for drew mcintyre i think this is a possible world uh, future world champion mm-hmm, he's got the look he's got the skill great worker and uh when he gets on the mic you know you listen to him so what do you guys think about drew mcintyre moving I, forward i couldn't agree more his mic skills are great he looks to be as you said in the best shape of his life um and i i i love his i love him as a wrestler i think he was great in nxt and became the nxt champion um I think that's what he needed, though. He needed to kind of step away, build mm-hmm. himself in the indie scene again, maybe find himself or rediscover who he was. And I absolutely believe this guy has all the tools in the tool belt to become the next WWE champion. Absolutely. I agree 100%. with that, too. Yeah, some guys, yeah, you see some guys at first run, it doesn't work out. You I mean, keep some point, Luke Gallows, it didn't really work out Ginger for him Mahal, at first. Jinder Mahal's first run didn't really work out that well. Some guys do need to step away. Reevaluate things, wrestle somewhere else, you know, be be invisible for a bit. Come back and get the fans and, get, and repackage themselves. You know what? It's working out for him greatly. And the Dolph Ziggler thing, I mean, what? A few months ago, we thought Dolph was going to leave the company. Yeah. And okay. now, look how things have turned around here in summer 2017. Yeah, it's great. It's great for Dolph and Drew. It gives them both something to do. Dolph really hasn't had much to do in, in a while. No. So I think it's great packaging the two of them. A lot of people have made the comparisons, kind of a Shawn Michaels diesel type of uh, packaging between those two yeah, and I, I like it I think it could be a great uh, great move moving forward whether one of them turns on the other at the end uh, I don't think it matters I think uh, Drew McIntyre is is a big part of the WWE's future and it's nice to see uh, Dolph Ziggler you know kind of get uh, some kind of role again within the company as this, well this may surprise you I've never been a Dolph Ziggler fan really the guy gets on my nerves I don't know <laughs> I don't know what it is maybe it's that hairdo I don't know what it is, but I absolutely, that's one of the most, uh, in my mind, one, I, I hate him. I, I don't like Well, he has him. been a heel, so that, that is his job. So, <laughs> so he's, he's doing uh, what he's supposed he's to do. I guess he's doing what he's supposed to do, yes. True. But I, I, I'm on the Drew McIntyre train 100%. I just, I'm not a Dolph Ziggler fan at all. And let's play Dolph Ziggler, his actual side job? Comedian, sound comedian in L.A. Yeah, he looks funny yeah. too. So. Before the come, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last question I want to pose to you guys. Um, the New Day. What do we do? These guys, I think, probably, probably the hottest thing in the WWE at one point in time. Yeah. They're hilarious. They they really go to show that just because the WWE doesn't have a plan for you, they kind of forced it on them and forced the WWE to do something with them. Uh, but I think it's it's been three, four years, if not yeah, longer. Uh, do you guys think it's time to maybe disband the New Day? 
Oh, uh, I don't know. Like, I think you can get one last towel run on these guys because you mentioned they forced the issue. These are guys where they reinvented themselves originally from a really goofy face group with a gospel choir behind them. They wasn't doing it for anybody. They turned heel. The gospel and choir, I remember that. Even though they were heel, people still cheered them. I think it was funny. I remember people, was, people were cheering them as The Rock was beating them up, which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they did, they, did, they did a great job, you know, taking the ball and running with it. But I think I think like it's just, it's almost over. It's kind of a stale act, you know. The pancakes, the, the cereal. There's only so much more that they can do, and I think the audience eventually, if they haven't already, are going to start to turn on them in a bad way. They went through back to Budios. I love these guys, and you know, I like you said. I think they they push the envelope a little bit. The WWE, they they kind of you know ride their ride their wire maybe a little bit. Maybe Vince is sitting in the back. I can just see Vince maybe pulling his hair out uh, with a few of the things they do, and I think it's fun. But again, I, I think it's getting old, and it gets old quick. Uh, this, so they need to find some way to maybe reinvent these guys. Would you guys be opposed to a big heel, uh, sorry, a big E, big e turn as a, a monster heel moving forward? Absolutely not. And Former maybe, NXT champion, mm-hmm. came in with Dolph Ziggler as, as yes. a, the big heel bodyguard. I think that would be... An amazing, uh, amazing uh, thing to do is is turn Big E heel against the New Day, almost like a Seth Rollins against the Shield, where he turned on them. And then you could have a few, the two of them versus Big E. Big E's a big enough dude. I think it's realistic to say that he could take Kofi and Xavier on a two-on-one match if needed. Well, well, I'll oppose this to you. What what a Big E and maybe a Braun Strowman feud down the line? Yeah, definitely. I think I think Big E has all the tools to be. You know, a single star for sure. He's got the size. He's got the promo skills. Uh, he, you know, he does the funny stuff. But I think if you turn him mean, make him mean as a big monster heel, I think that would work as well. Uh, just mainly because the new day is just getting stale. I think a great way to break them up would be Big E, and I think uh, Xavier and Kofi would be fine as a tag team moving forward as yeah. well. Just the two of them. And you mentioned Brad um, uh, Braun Strowman, Big E turn. You really see two big guys in a feud who can talk. That doesn't happen very often. Braun Strowman and Big E are both great talkers. Yeah, absolutely. That's you're you're 100 right. I, I when when Braun Strowman first got on the mic, I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And he's been absolutely incredible. He's been awesome on the mic. Um, so obviously, we'll we'll see what the future holds for Braun. And now with the with the new uh, you know on Fox with SmackDown and NXT, and we'll see what kind of hold Triple H has. Now in the WWE moving forward, but again, first off, we want to thank Vic Michaels for coming on down, joining us, uh, doing this all wrestling podcast. It was fun. This is our first time ever doing this. Such a blast for having you on. Thank you so much for coming down. And uh, again, this interview segment was brought to you by Cold Dental Group in Edmonton. Again, thank you to those guys. Uh, and again, the trivia question: Who is the first team? that the Vegas Golden Knights ever beat to begin their first season. Make sure you comment on the link. We will post, and you will win a package for teeth bleaching and a sports mouth guard provided by Cordental. You can pick up at the Windermere location. Again, Vic Michaels, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's do it again very soon. Totally, cool. anytime. Anytime wrestling's involved, I'll be there. Uh, but if you guys ever want me back, just let me know. Thank you again so much to Vic Michaels for coming on. Now, we got one last topic to discuss before we wrap up 
Avery's losing his mind over here, and he's hot under the collar. So we must talk about USA Hockey. Avery, give the people what they want. Ah, uh, well, USA Hockey over the past few years, as we've known, has been a broken program. This is the program that came out and had grinders playing in the World Cup of Hockey. They are by far the worst team in the tournament. Why they had grinders in a best-on-best tournament, who knows? But, speaking to a bigger issue, they named recently their new director of hockey operations, John Van Breesbrook. If you know the name, he was a legendary goaltender in the NHL for many years, best known for playing with New York, played Florida, and many other teams. He's also legendary for something else, Avery. Yes, he is, because 15 years ago, when he was the owner, GM, and head coach of the Sudbury Wolves, he called Trevor Daly, who was playing with his team at the time, out of anger, the N-word, multiple times. He was fined 50k by the OHL, and he stepped down as GM and head coach, but retained ownership. Fast forward 15 years later, Van Beesbrook has been named the Director of Hockey Operations for USA Hockey. To me, you can seek redemption, but John Van Beesbrook has not gone out of his way to talk, talk to Daly in those 15 years. He doesn't appear to have formally given a real apology to black hockey players for saying that awful word multiple times. And when he was approached about this issue, he said that he felt through his faith, he's forgiven. Now, I'm a man of faith myself, but if I want forgiveness, I will go to the person. Yes, of course, I'll go to my, of course, Lord, but I'll also go and reach out to the person who I hurt. Because Trevor Daly quit the Sudbury Wolves for a time after that. And I have not really seen true contrition from Van Meesbrook in the sense of reaching out to Daly. He said, I'm sorry, but what has he done to help black hockey? From what I've seen, pardon me, nothing. And USA Hockey, really? This is the guy you want in charge of your program. With so many minority youth playing hockey, you couldn't have found anybody else to be a director. Anybody else in hockey. A guy who dropped the N-word on a player multiple times as a 40-year-old man to other players, other people in that organization, to a child, is embarrassing, it's disgraceful, I don't know why you even do that hiring, and quite frankly, I hope Van Beesbrook resigns for this. Woo! Somebody call the fire department because Avery is fired up! Honestly! And NIA, I give you every right to be, I totally agree with you. I don't know why they would do such thing, but again, you're gonna have those people who play devil's advocate and say, "Well, this was 15 years ago. This was in the past. Let's move on." Yada yada Let's yada. Move on. Now, <laughs> now, what what do you say to those people though? Is that is it is it time heals everything type of deal, or is this is this something that needs to be talked about? For the U.S. hockey program to, to move forward. Of course, like you mentioned with Vic and Hulk Hogan, to me, like you mentioned, I mentioned Hulk Hogan has to show contrition. Hulk Hogan should work with black, the black community if he wants to come back to WWE. Like Van Breesbrook, what have you done for the black community, for black hockey? Nothing, it appears, over the past 15 years. And for people who are saying, Brad, oh, you know, in that sense, time heals all wounds, to me, and to me, racism has no expiry date. And Van Beesbrook said, that's not who I am. Yes, it is. To a certain extent, John, you thought to a certain way, I'm going to call this kid the N-word and not Trevor. That was a new way of thinking. That is you. Somewhere in your mind, you thought it was acceptable to get angry and call a player a racial slur. That's who you were. That's who you are. 
Wow, what a show! And this is only episode four, folks. Remember, you thank you to Core Dental Group for their sponsorship. We are so so excited to see where this goes. Remember to answer the trivia question and win yourself a free bleach and a sports mouth guard. Again, who is the first team to lose to the Vegas Golden Knights this season? Remember to comment or like it and be the first person and you win. Redeem at the Windermere location. I get a huge thank you to Shaq, Dave, Raymar, everybody at Match Grand Villa Casino. Huge thank you to our waitress Miranda and for Avery Lewis McDougal. I'm Brad Marco. Episode 5 next week with nobody else other than Tom Gazzola in studio. You're not going to want to miss this. We'll see you all next week. Thank you so much.